Welcome to episode 94 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. Thank you for watching and listening to us. No matter what platform you are doing that from, we always appreciate the support of GFP Nation. As of Monday, February 27th, 2023, the Toronto Maple Leafs are still in second place in the Atlantic Division behind the Boston Bruins. Toronto currently on pace for 112 points. Since our last podcast, they are a perfect 3-0. Ryan O'Reilly is fitting in pretty darn well. So we have a lot of things to go over. Ryan O'Reilly, the Leafs' current hot streak, Austin Matthews, and some big trades from around the NHL. But as big as all that news is, it is now officially time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How you doing, man? Anthony Bruno is always very happy to be here. How am I doing? I am uh, very tired. I'm sure everyone can hear that my voice sounds a little different today. It's because it's because I've had three straight nights of uh, very little sleep. Uh, my wife and I uh, welcomed a little angel into the world, Carolina, who's the now officially the world's smallest Leafs fan. Um, good news. I mean, since my wife went into labor, uh, Leafs are three zero and zero. And for those wondering if I uh, had the game on my phone while my wife was in labor, the answer is yes. The Blues game was on in the background to watch O'Reilly's first hat trick. My wife was okay with it. It, it was early phases of labor, so it was fine. But uh, yeah, life's different, man. I went from uh, shopping for jerseys and uh, hockey swag to uh, onesies with Bambi on it. So very blessed, very happy, and uh, happy to do a show today. We're going to keep it going. Uh, episode 94 of the Glunts for Punishment podcast. Bruno said before the show that he thinks he knows which one's coming. Uh, we didn't confirm which one he thought is uh, on its way, but I think he's going to be right. Number 94, Leafs legend, Sergey Barrison. Yes, yes, there it is. Fan favorite uh, from uh, the late 90s, early 2000s with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Cool story, man. I mean, you look up and you read these things about these players. Barrison was drafted in the 10th round. 10th round pick. The guy played 500 games in the NHL. His best season, 98-99 with the Toronto Maple Leafs, 37 goals. A 10th rounder scoring 37 goals. He now lives in Florida, like a lot of Russians do uh, in their retirement from what I've seen. But uh, Sergei Berezin, man, good uh, good little player. And if you grew up in the 90s and became a Leaf fan in that era, Sergei Berezin was one of the guys. Yeah, swag. He had the swag. He had yeah, all yeah. the swag. But speaking yeah. of swag, nothing is more powerful than dad swag. Oh, jeez. And Michael Lepore, <laughs> you have it. Thanks, you man. have it in bunches <laughs> right now, man. Congrats to you and your family on the birth of your baby girl. This is This might be the best episode yet. It, oh. Even though you have no sleep. Yeah. And uh, you're We're purely raw. You're ready to just go lie down on the couch. This is going to be a great episode. I feel it, Lepore. Yeah, so the undefeated run with uh, the birth of my daughter is going to go until the uh, end of the season and into the playoffs for a 16-0 and run. Perfect. God's going to bless me with that the year of um, 2023. And I love how you were watching the game when your wife was in labor. That's that's a true that's a yeah. true early early right si there. early signs. So yeah, early signs of labor. So what I mean by that is like we just got our room, just got our bed. She's just laying there, and it, it was on the phone. It wasn't real labor. We'll put it that way. Before okay. every, everyone starts uh, hating me, <laughs> hating me for watching the Leafs game while my <laughs> wife's going into labor. Fair enough. While, while the doctor's yelling push, I'm uh, cheering on Mitch Marner and Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> 
You are a true glutton for punishment. Yes, yes. All right, man. Let's get right into this. So the Leafs are 3-0 since our last podcast. Yeah. With wins over the Buffalo Sabres, the Minnesota Wild, and the Seattle Kraken. And things are looking good. Ryan O'Reilly is fitting in very well. So Mm -hmm. the O'Reilly, Tavares, and Marner line combined for 13 points in the 6-3 win over Buffalo. To celebrate Carolina's birth. Just just outstanding. And now O'Reilly, we saw last game against the Kraken, Sheldon Keefe moved him down yeah. um, to play with, well, I shouldn't say moved him down. He's in the same spot, but he moved Marner back with Matthews and he put Tavares and Nylander with Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. So they're they're experimenting and that's something we thought that they would do i didn't think that they would stick with that same line mm-hmm. um from now until the end of the regular season and into the playoffs and i still think we might see ryan o'reilly drop down to the third line at some point and center his own line with you know i don't want to say you know bad players or anything <laughs> like that but he he's going to be on a little bit more of an island when they try that out, and I really do think they yeah. will try that out. But Lapore, what are your early impressions so far of how Ryan O'Reilly has fit in with the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, I don't even want to say pleasantly surprised. Uh, I'm uh, because that's kind of taking away from my expectations, but I'm very happy about it, man. And here comes like Homer Leafs fan uh, talking about the trade they just made, but. When I say that, I'm referring to the nerves that I had about the deal, and I'm sure that a lot of Leafs fans had, because if we're being honest, O'Reilly hasn't been the same player this year as far as his statistics go. So, you know, the Leafs make a deal, like what's going to happen? And we've been burned in the past with uh, deals like Felino that blew up in our face. So I'm stoked, man. I think uh, I think it, it uh, looks great. And to me, the biggest thing, and it was been a criticism uh, of the Leafs for years now, is that they have too many of the same player. And when people say too many of the same player, they're referring to that silky smooth talent, right? Whereas immediately you could see that O'Reilly's different. He brings a different element, element, but he still is capable of lighting it up as uh, as he has. Where he's going to end up in the lineup, uh, uh, that's a good question, Bruno. That's, and we'll get into that in a bit, but I think that's a juicy, juicy topic because there's a lot of combinations and I think there's a lot of there could be a lot of good debate as to where he should place in the lineup and who he should be put with. Uh, what are your early impressions of ROR? I've been really impressed with O'Reilly so far. And I remember when the the trade first happened, you know, I had my doubts in terms of is, is this enough offensive firepower? Could the Leafs have used Patrick Kane or Timo Meyer? And again, I'm, I'm still on the record as saying, I think Timo Meyer would have been like an ideal fit. Mm. And we'll get into that as well. He was traded to the, New Jersey Devils yesterday oh. and we'll get into some other trades from around the NHL later in the podcast but he has provided some offensive punch so far and another yeah. thing I mentioned on the last show is that you have to be a complete idiot to think that he wouldn't fit in with this team he's going from a St. Louis Blues team that is now out of the race <laughs> unloading all their players aren't really motivated right now and now you drop him into a situation where he's playing on a top five team in the NHL He's playing with guys like John Tavares and Mitch Marner and William Nylander. And I'm sure at some point, maybe he's even going to get a chance to play with Austin Matthews as they yeah. experiment towards the end of the season. He's going to be motivated. His offensive production is going to improve. 
everything across the board is going to improve. And that's what you're seeing so far. He has five points in five games as a leaf. He had a hat trick against the Buffalo Sabres. He's doing things on both sides of the puck, which he's always done. He's winning a ton of face-offs. I mean, this guy's fitting in like a glove yeah. now. What do you want? Yeah, exactly. It's like, what more could you ask for from Ryan O'Reilly at this point? Is he the most explosive player? No, he's not. Does he have the best hands in the league? No. Does he have the greatest shot? No. But he does so many little things and finds a way to be in the right spot at the right time. And we saw that in that Buffalo game, right? Yeah. Like Mitch Marner was obviously a huge part of that hat trick. Some of the passes he made to O'Reilly. But O'Reilly's hockey sense and just, like I said, his ability to just know where the play is going. He's he's really good at it, man. Because when you watch him, like eye test wise, he's not like an explosive player. He's not jumping off the page. He's not making like these crazy dangles and these, you know, unbelievable plays. He's kind of he's he's kind of like a John Tavares type player. Very winger John Tavares is what he looks like. Yeah. So I it's like you said, Lapore. It's like, what else could you ask for out of this guy? I think it's it's been great so far. And yeah, in terms of the question of where he's going to end up now, that that line with O'Reilly, Marner, and and John Tavares looked incredible yeah. against Buffalo. And I know the it's the GTA Buffalo line. Sabres. Yeah, the GTA yeah, line is the, out of the, the all the all Ontario, the all GTA line. Yeah, that looked awesome. Now against the Kraken, they had him playing with Tavares and Nylander, and the line. I don't want to say it was like not as effective. I mean, any line is not going to be as effective when you're comparing it to a line that put up 13 points in one game. Yeah. But I think they're going to continue to experiment, man. I, I think, I think, like I said, he's going to get a chance to be the third line center. Maybe they're going to even try him out on the first power play unit. I don't really see that happening. I think he's just going to stay on the, the second power play unit. But Sheldon Keefe has about you know, a 24-game runway here, however many games they have left to figure this out with Ryan O'Reilly. To the point about figuring it out, I mean, we're fans, so we're going to discuss what's best and what Keith's going to decide, but he can change it all the time. He can change it based on the opponent. He can change it based on the situation. You're playing Tampa in game one. Winning is maybe a different lineup than in game four when you're trailing. So that's why I really like the deal again because it provides the versatility. Um I'm going to sound like uh, like a school child here, but this is a genuine question, okay? And comment down below if you have other, other answers, because while Bruno was speaking, this question came to mind, and I was trying to think of other guys. As far as possible line mates go in the National Hockey League, like looking around the league at the star players, is there a player you'd want to play with more than Mitch Marner? And that, that to me, that doesn't mean he's the best player, but... I'm having a hard time thinking of someone who like, yeah, I'd hundred percent be with that guy or even like make it a debate for Marner because he's good defensively. He skates, he distributes. So you'll score. He opens things up. He's creative. Well, what's better than that? Right. I mean, cause I guess the end of the day too, like most of the big superstars are superstars because they score a heck of a lot of goals. And I mean, guys who score goals are great, but in terms of wanting to play with them, it's not the most ideal situation in the world. And going back, I'm pretty sure it it went public that part of the the pitch to Tavares when he was deciding where to go in that Leafs boardroom, they said, you're going to be playing with Mitch Marner. And that was appealing to him. And we saw what that line did in that first game. And again, we saw from uh, Marner last night, what he had three assists last night again. So he distributes the puck and like great passes, making goals easy for other players. I, I guess that's the best way to put it. I think Mitch Marner makes your life easier as a line mate 
Not that it becomes a walk in the park, depending on your opponent, but I don't know if there's another player who makes your life easier more than he does. Can you think of anyone? Yeah. I mean, the only guy I would put above him is really McDavid, but even McDavid, Bruno, like I can like McDavid's a better player than Marner, but does McDavid make me better? Yeah. I mean, I think McDavid's a hell of a playmaker, but I, I do yeah, see where course. you're coming from that. Maybe McDavid, he's just, he's a better goal scorer than Mitch Marner. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just like, it's the McDavid show. He's just like, all right, I'm just going to go through the entire team. Right. Exactly. Now. <laughs> right. And listen, he's made life very easy for Zach Hyman this season. That is true. Who's that having a true. great season. So I still think just out of respect to McDavid, you put him number one, but yeah, in terms of like a pure distributor, and a guy that plays on both sides of the puck is very responsible defensively. That is always looking to pass first. Yeah. There's really, I can't really think of another player, honestly. And Oilers fans are going to, you know, continue to chirp us and say, how about dry He's one of the best no. passers in the league. Yeah, no, but really I, I, I would, I would put Marner ahead of him just in terms of like unselfishness pass first, his ability to play defense, I think he's ahead of Drysaddle in that respect. Drysaddle obviously a better goal scorer than Marner as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, Marner's always looking to get his teammates involved. He's got, yeah. I believe, twenty goals and fifty-four assists this season. I'm sure people are screaming Patrice Bergeron. Like that's another one, like top of the list the guy you'd want. He's past his prime now, so but yeah, people know yeah. my point. And with Bergeron, like he's obviously considered one of the best two-way Defense. players in the world. But as a passer, he is not on the level, right? Of Mitch Marner. But like you said, I think he's definitely a guy that you would love to play with because of all of the things that he does, making your life easier, mm-hmm. as you said. One guy that came to mind for me, and I've seen him live a couple times this year um, since he plays for the Sens, and again, past his prime. So in his prime, I'm sure he'd be at the top of the top of this list was Claude Giroux. A guy who can do it all, sees the ice, he'll muck it up, he'll score, he'll distribute. He's another guy that'd be near the top of the list. And even if it's not now in his prime, 100% he was. Oh, yeah, that's that's a great name as well. And it just goes to show how valuable Mitch Marner is. And, you know, we always view Austin Matthews as the heart and soul of the Maple Leafs. You know, he's coming off his 60-goal season. Since Matthews entered the league, he's essentially the best goal scorer in the world. But Mitch Marner, man, we've seen it time and time again. John Tavares' first year with the Leafs, playing with Mitch Marner, he puts up 47 goals. Last year was the first time, really, that Marner and Matthews primarily played together. And sure, you can even go back to the the shortened COVID season as well, where they were together. Matthews had 41 goals, and I believe it was like 54 games that he played because he missed a couple of games. Mm. And then he puts up 60 last season playing with Marner. And now his numbers are down a little bit playing primarily with William Nylander this season. So it just goes to show, man, how much value this guy is providing the Toronto Maple Leafs. No matter who Mitch Marner plays with, they produce. It's just as simple as that. You're going to get paid. (laughs) It's time for a quick break because we have some breaking news. Manscaped is now selling beard products. That's right. They've gone from waist to face to help you replace that bulky razor with their brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Manscaped helped you get the golden rod of a great god, and now they've created the best tools for you to turn heads with a clean, perfectly groomed, and conditioned beard. Finally, tame your mane by going to manscaped.com and using our exclusive promo code GFP20 
for 20% off plus free shipping. Laporte, just when you think Manscaped has done it all, now they come up with beard products. This company never misses the mark. That's right, Anthony Bruno. Manscaped has crushed it with the Lawnmower 4.0. And I really think what they're doing here is they're looking out for their clientele because I know a lot of you are fucking gross and you've used that Lawnmower 4.0 on your face, which is not cool. So keep going with it. Follow Manscaped, get the beard trimmer, go to the Manscaped website, GFB20 for 20% off and free shipping. You said it, man. Manscaped knows exactly what's going on. They don't yeah. want people using the Lawnmower 4.0 <laughs> in places they should not be using it. Oh. So do the right thing. Go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using our code GFP20 to grab the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code GFP20. So speaking of Austin Matthews Lapore, uh, he's not having his best season. No. He just scored two goals last night against the Seattle Kraken, and lo and behold, who was on his line? Mr. Mitch Marner. Yeah, they were trying to the Blue Jays with one of those goals. Yeah, that was that's uh the, the puck that he batted out of midair. That was sick. Yeah, nice goal. That, that was a great Matthews goal. But you know, it just goes back to what we talked about. Like he he moves away from Marner most of the season and his numbers are down a little bit. And listen, Austin Matthews is an elite player. He can play with anybody. And Mitch Marder can play with anyone as well, but they were reunited last night. Matthew scored a couple of goals. That line was buzzing all night. Is there another reason that his numbers are down this season, Lapore, besides not playing with Mitch Marner? And is this, is this being a little under talked about? Yeah. Right now, because, you know, he had one of the greatest seasons of the last, like, 20 years last year, scoring 60 goals. One of only three players in the last 15 to 20 years to hit that mark outside of Ovechkin and Steven Stamkos. And right now, Austin Matthews in 53 games has 28 goals, 31 points, or 31 assists for 59 points. So yeah. what's going on, man? I think when it comes to topics like this, people often try to find one reason as to why he's uh that's why a player is not performing and it goes the other way too one reason why a player is performing but i'd like to think of it in the way that multiple things can be true so right off the bat you said not playing with mitch marner anymore so i mean that's going to take away some goals i think i'm in the camp and i think a lot of leafs fans are that matthews hasn't been at 100 percent for the entirety of the season whether it was his wrist or ribs or yeah it was an ankle he hurt for a while. I think it was, I might be mistaken about that. So he's been fighting some stuff. That's no secret. And I think that comes into play, especially with even beyond his goals. We haven't seen him take over games like he did the previous two seasons. Like he would dominate games. Again, the zone, you could just tell he was dialed in his first shift. You knew, here we go tonight. Matthews is, uh, Matthews ate his Wheaties. Um, I think there's also, I mean, again, more factors. He's better defensively now. Like you watch him, the, the focus is, more so even than it was before. And he's always been a good 200-foot player, but you see the focus is really there. And if I'm not mistaken, he's leading forwards in the NHL and block shots. That's a big stat, man. For a guy who scores goals like that, to, ha to have that number. So that's the reason why. The other thing, too, is... And Chris Johnston talked about this. I remember before the season started, not necessarily this would cause Matthews to, um, to drop statistically, but when it comes to that stuff now... He doesn't give a shit. 
Like, and I mean, that's giving a lot of credit saying he's got the, he, he lacks the ego and he's got the, the security in himself to not really care what his numbers are. Cause he just wants to win. But I think it's like that extra motivation is like, no, no, no. What matters is when the regular season ends. So he's really dialed into that. And what I'm going to segue into is I think, and comment down below what you think about this This may be controversial. I think there's a tad of load management going on. In terms of where they put him in, even in himself, like I'm not going to go all out this shift, this period, this game again, save my body, make it ripe for when the time is right. So again, th that could be loaded and you could say, well, then why isn't it affecting other players and why Matthews like who knows who, who knows why and again, they, they run the numbers on this stuff and what should be done. But I think there's a list of factors, man, Marner not being on his line. Him achieving what he achieved and not really caring as what stats what stats uh, show anymore. Man, the guy's pretty much won everything now except for being successful in the playoffs. Like historically, we're not going to look at Austin Matthews any different if he win if he would have won, you know, six Rockets or four Rockets. Like we know who he is. What's going to get him remembered is his name on the Stanley Cup. So I think there's a bunch of reasons, uh, but. To put the cherry on top of this rant I went on, I just hope he snaps the fuck out of it before the playoffs start. Jeez, because if this keeps going, the, all, all, a lot of the things I listed are gone if we don't see it in the playoffs. Because while they're not going to load manage him, him in the playoffs, mentally he can't be checked out in the playoffs. He's got to produce. And then I'll finish with this, Bruno, and then I'll, I'll let you rant. How, how much of it is just simple, unrealistic expectations? Like you said, his last two seasons were historically good two of the greatest goal scoring seasons in the history of the league. And he may hit 40 this year, 40 goals, 40 goals. And when you're paid what he's paid, you could say, well, he we should get more, which is true. Or you, or you could say, I expect that. But what I'd say to that is even, okay, he gets 40. Let's say he finishes with 40. Well, you couldn't stick up your nose at 50. So yeah, he got 40. I mean, the expectation can't be 50 goals every year is my point. That's ridiculous. I mean, that except for Mike Bossy, I mean, there was no one you could rely on for that and the waner. But yeah, I mean, again, a million reasons why. And uh, just uh, when I close my eyes at night and pray, I just hope he snaps out of it by the time we play Tampa Bay in the first round. Yeah, and that's the big thing. If if he can get rolling right before the playoffs start, then people are going to be happy and they're not going to be worried about anything and maybe he's going to continue it maybe this game against seattle last night is the start of the terror that we've seen matthews go on countless times before mm -hmm. where he rips off like 16 goals in 15 games exactly and, exactly right like that's it's what all we're things. all waiting for that hasn't happened yet this season but you said it man right now he's on pace to score 40 goals in 75 games because he's missed seven games this year over an 82-game season, he's scoring at a 43-goal pace. Exactly. <laughs> and that's still pretty darn good. I mean, literally 95% of the NHL would take that as, like, a career season. But for Austin Where's Matthews... Points? Where's points at compared to... I like because everyone always brings up his goals because he's getting more assists this year, is he not? Like, I think his, even his points are probably pretty close to where they were last year. Yeah, like looking at an 82-game pace points-wise, he's on pace for a 91-point season. Last year he had 100. It was like 104, it was 106. So, yeah, yeah, okay. 106 yeah, points go. last year. Okay. He's missed He's missed games this year. And listen, he missed games last year too. He missed nine games last season. People forget that with the 60-goal thing, eh? I remember like noticing that throughout the season. Crazy. He had 60 goals in 73 games. 
106 points in 73 games. So you you look at that over an 82 game season, that's 119 points over a wow. full 82 game season. And the same thing this year, like he's missed seven games, but he's scoring at a 92 point pace. You know, like that's still pretty yeah, darn good. Yeah, exactly. But but listen, Austin Matthews is not an idiot. And I, I love that point that you made that he's focused more on his defensive game because he's won everything you can win now. He's won the heart. He's won multiple Rocket Richards. He's won the, the Lester B. Pearson Award. You know, the award that is judged on by his fellow players is who's yeah. the best player in, in the league, right? He's yeah. won that. He's arguably been even a Selkie contender, even though he hasn't finished as a finalist for the Selkie trophy. Mm-hmm. You watch this guy defensively. He's incredible, man. And this yeah. year, it does it does seem just eye test wise, it does seem, and even looking at the stats too, it does seem that he has been more focused on the defensive end. And it goes back to this point I'm trying to make here is that he is not an idiot. He knows what he is going to be judged on. And it's kind of like basketball players as well, right? Like LeBron James and some of the best players of all time, they know that the thing that they are judged on is championships. Oh, in the NBA, you're judged on championships? <laughs> <laughs> it's about championships at this point for Austin Matthews. And and sure, you could even laugh at that and say he hasn't won a round. Yeah, he hasn't won a round. Exactly. But, <laughs> but he's won everything you could win, essentially, in the game of hockey, besides winning a playoff series and winning a Stanley yeah. Cup. And it seems to be his main uh, focus right now, and that's what I love to see. Looking at some stats, Laporte, you said it. He leads all forwards in block shots this season. Yeah. And Think even looking at takeaways on NHL.com, did you know that Mitch Marner leads all forwards in takeaways this season? Where's Nylander? I remember Nylander was high too, wasn't he? Nylander is sixth in the league and Matthews is 10th in the league. That's crazy. Three Leaf forwards are in the top 10 in the NHL in takeaways this season. Mitch Marner, William Nylander, and Austin Matthews, who are considered like their best offensive players, are also all in the top 10 in takeaways among forwards in the NHL. Yeah, and we saw a heck of a takeaway from Willie in the overtime in the overtime the other night. Oh, that one thing filthy. One thing you notice, and we we often talk on this show how the game has changed. You really see it when you're at a game live. There's almost no hitting anymore compared to you know, like when we were kids, like crash against the boards every few seconds. There was always forechecking, hard hit. Now it's about the stick play, and I, you really see it. And it swung. It used to be that that third line bruiser or that defenseman who would remove the player from the puck with a hit. Now you see the skilled guys because they're good with their stick. Like I, I, I notice live all the time, like a, a random skilled player, even for a random team. It's like, wow, he's really good stick checking because he has that ability. And I'm sure that's a thing that the kids are trained. Um, kids begin begin training at a very young age. But think think of that perspective, man. From like like stepping outside the box for a second, three players. Three uh, beyond who they are, three skilled players like that are in the top 10 of the league when it comes to removing the puck from the opposition. That's crazy. That's and just it goes to show how much the game has really changed. And you could see it with their stick play, like not even looking at the stats. You watch any Leaf game and you watch Austin Matthews and William Nylander and Mitch Marner go into the corners, they're yep. wizards with their sticks, man. They always come out with it, they're always the guy who just gets the you're, you're almost like rel- expecting it when they go in the corner for 50 50 matthews is going to come out with it yeah 100%. and that's why i always laughed when everyone pegged zach hyman as like the grinder who always went went in the corners and got the puck for austin matthews and some of these other guys and i'm like guys 
Yeah. Sure, that's true to a certain extent. But if you watch the Leafs play, Austin Matthews has been doing this literally like since the day he walked into the NHL. He has been a wizard with his stick and removing the puck from the opposition. And he's been doing it seriously, literally since the day he walked into the league. And that's why I always laughed at when Mike Babcock would would come on and do his post-game press conference and say, you know, this line is it, it's chugging along the way it is because of Zach Hyman. He's the one who goes and retrieves the puck. No, Austin Matthews goes and gets the puck. That's yeah. who gets the puck all the time. Oh, anyway, so I, I love I love to see stats like this. Like those guys have not only have they been producing offensively, their defensive numbers are also very good. Yeah. Hockey's such a weird thing, right? It's so funny how we can't just use our eyes to see what's happened. And we just go on these preconceived notions of what hockey used to be like Hyman's the guy who goes in the corner because he's big and he's less talented and he swings his arms when he plays. It's like, oh, the skilled guy is soft. No, actually watch. You'll see that the skilled guy is the guy taking the puck, getting the puck, removing possession from the other team. It's just funny, man. We we, we can't get rid of it. And when my buddy made a point the other day, it's hilarious. A comment down below. Um, uh, what do you think about this one? And I won't mention any names. Not that we mention any names, but is it just me? Or eh, does everyone think when there's an ugly guy, guy with scars, big nose, whatever, it's automatically, he's a grinder. He works hard. He hits everyone. That's always the case. A guy it, who's like a It's really what it is. It's what it is. It's a hundred percent. Even things like, oh, where he's from. Oh, there's a Toronto kid who plays on the third line, whose jersey's baggy, and he wears a weird bucket. Oh, he's 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 the man. He like, no, are you watching? He sucks. Like, like I, I don't get it, man. Or again, on the flip side, the European. Oh, he's soft. You watching? He ain't soft. He's going in the corners. He just likes he has long hair. Like you think you think he's soft? It's just hockey's funny, man. Hockey's so deceiving, and we've talked about this in the past. I just this exact topic totally plays into it of guys who actually remove their opposition from the puck. Yeah, there's so many stereotypes in hockey going back over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And I, I think you nailed it, man. I think the perfect example of this is William Nylander. 100%. He's, he's always been viewed as the soft player of all the big four Leafs, Marner, Matthews, Tavares, and Nylander. He's viewed as the soft guy who doesn't go into the corners and doesn't go to the front of the net. Have you watched William Nylander over the last like three to four seasons? He is an absolute monster down low. You know who he reminds me of is Peter Forsberg. Oh. Like this, this dude, his ability to just keep the puck away from you, to use his lower body strength to shield you. He goes to the front of the net. He scores goals from everywhere. Like just watch William Nylander. Like if you... I I never want to hear anyone put the word soft and William Nylander in the same sentence. Yeah. Didn't he, was it last year? He led the league in like net front goals or he was near yeah, the he top. Was like, he was like top five yeah. in that category. Yeah. Oh, so he doesn't go in the dirty area. He doesn't get punished by the, he's, he's the, he's in front. Those are the numbers he's scoring. Try to, they're not stopping him. So yeah, the whole Nylander thing is such an example of that in Toronto, because again, European, the long hair, he wears sick gear. Unlike I said, that third line bruiser who doesn't, it's just, it's funny. And even too, right. It becomes a slippery slope. So let's say Nylander does have a lazy play. The camera's on it. Exactly. And then they're talking it about overanalyzed. it. It's overanalyzed. Okay. So one, it happens to the toughest guy in the league who we all love as well. I mean, come on. And, and there's always that funny thing, right? I'm sure the players talk about this. A goal is scored. 
And then they show the team celebrating the fist bumps, all that. And then it'll go to the player of the team who was scored on the player who fucked up. <laughs> and it's just one of those things where like, Oh, it was Nylander. Well, every goal they show someone. So this time they just showed Nylander because he was down low and maybe he got beat, but Oh, Nylander, it's all his fault. Look at him. This proves the point. No, it's hilarious. Yeah. They use one play out of like 50 plays to try and demonstrate that a player sucks defensively or they're soft on the puck or whatever. I remember John Tavares last season, I can't remember if it was a, a morning skate or a post-game interview that he that he did, but he talked about Nylander, and he said that this guy doesn't get enough credit for how strong he is. I'm sure. Oh, he's a dude. Instagram, go on his Instagram, man. He's got some pics like on the beach. He's a tank, man. He's a unit, that guy. Yeah, I mean, Nylander, for whatever reason, and I shouldn't say for whatever reason, we know the reasons why he's gotten such a bad rap in Toronto and why he's been the whipping boy for so many years. And then you go back to the whole contract situation and he held out. Yeah, that's And true. now he has one of the best contracts in the league and he's probably going to command nine plus million now on his mm-hmm. next deal. Mm-hmm. So I, I just love, I love how the narrative has completely changed now and that people are finally opening their eyes to the player that they, that he is. And and even looking at the stats right now, Marner leads the team in scoring. Nylander, 72 points in 60 games. And he's got 33 goals. So Nylander right now is on pace for 98 points. Is it just me or is... I mean, Willie's always healthy. That's another like, thing too. I, I don't want to jinx it, but you're Yeah, right. yeah, you don't want to say it out loud. He yeah, always in the lineup, man. Yeah. Always in the lineup. Yeah. So oh, shout out to man. William Nylander. Yeah. All right, Lepore. Why not? We got to talk about some big trades. We do. That have Shit. happened <laughs> around the NHL. So Kyle Dubas always does always does his work well before the trade deadline. And he did it again this season, picking up Ryan O'Reilly. But now we're seeing other teams do the exact same thing. People are not waiting until the actual trade deadline. They're not waiting until the 11th hour at 2 p.m., the day of the deadline. This year's trade deadline falls on Friday, March 3rd, but we've already seen a lot of big names off the board. And over the weekend, it got pretty wild. Mm-hmm. You had the whole Patrick Kane to, to the Rangers thing. That isn't official yet, but it's basically official based on all the reports, not yeah. only that me and Lapore have seen, but I'm sure that all of you have seen who are listening to us right now. So we have Patrick Kane, who looks like he's on his way to the New York Rangers. And then the big fish, Timo Meyer, traded to the New Jersey Devils, And that was like a big, complicated package. I don't even want to get into the whole thing, but there was a lot involved in that Timo Meyer deal. And then one of the most head-scratching moves I think I've seen in recent memory, the Tampa Bay Lightning trading Cal Foote and five draft picks for Tanner Janot. Psycho. (laughs) That also happened. So, Laporte, just your thoughts on some of these moves that we've seen. Is has the balance of power changed with any of these moves that have happened over the weekend? It's tough to say no. I mean, my immediate reaction is yeah, because you see these names and these teams got better and they're going for it. But I still go into that. It doesn't make that much of a difference in a seven game series. If you're talking about the power a player will have with their contribution, like the whole wins above replacement thing over an 82 game season, it's significant. In these seven-game series where anything can happen, as far as the result goes, they're not that significant. I don't know if we talked about it last week. I think uh, with the O'Reilly and Achari additions, the Leafs went from, on one of the models, a 54% chance to beat Tampa to like a 56% chance to beat Tampa. So, like, And that's adding 
a lineup guy and a good player. So I don't know. Like if there's a big swing of power, I will say it. And I may, I may get burned for this. I really may get burned for this. But let's make the assumption that the Rangers are getting uh, Patrick Kane. That makes me think they're not going to win. It's just that old thing, man. That these teams that go crazy at the deadline, it makes me think eh, they're messing stuff up a little bit. They're going to run into a hot goalie in the second round and lose, and you're done. I, I just think it's more often and more often than not the teams that just stay the course that make the long runs. The Geno deal, that's perplexing, man. That one's really perplexing. Tampa. I mean, Tampa never makes bad deals, and I'm not calling this a bad deal because, you know, I always say it's up to the team what they're willing to give up. My assumption is that they're going to sign him or that they can see themselves signing him. I mean, I don't know if they'd give up that kind of package if they didn't feel that way, but that's a lot to give up for a guy who does what that player does. Timo Meyer to the Devils is nice. I think that, I mean, he's, he's a great player. All the advanced stats guys are posting about how much of a difference maker he is. But again, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how much of a difference it makes. Because, and again, l- l- little small things. The Rangers make these deals and they get way better. They go into the playoffs and Chris Kreider sprains his knee. Well, that's it now. I mean, you just replace Kreider with another good player because you are where you were at. And that's, I'm not saying these teams shouldn't make these moves. I'm just saying that's the margin of difference here, right? So we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. But I got to say, the teams making deals like this, that, and the word I always use is so loud in your face. And I told you, Bruno, I said last week, I didn't want a fucking thing to do with Patrick Kane. I did not want that. I know the media wanted it, and Biz from a Spin Chicklets was all I over I kind of wanted it, too. Yeah, I know you wanted <laughs> it for, for the excitement. Bruno's all about the drama in uh, Toronto. But, yeah, I, I didn't want it. And now, like I see with the Rangers, Tarasenko and Kane, you've totally changed. It's a lot. Like you totally change your team and you've changed them for the better. I just think it's like a weird mojo thing, man. Well, we saw it last year with the Florida Panthers. The Panthers right. had one of the best offensive seasons of the last quarter century last year. Like yeah. the entire team, all right, from top to bottom, was putting up insane numbers offensively. I think they had like five guys that had like over 75 points last year. Mm. Like it was absurd. They had like Sam Reinhardt playing on like the second and third line at times and had like an 80 point season. Like it was crazy. They add Claude Giroux. Yep. They add Ben Sherrod at the trade deadline. They got embarrassed in the second round by Tampa. The Dude, top the scoring round. team in the league, Lapore had three goals against Tampa in the second round. Three, one, two, three against Tampa. Was it even in the first round, if I remember correctly, they were down two to one. They were down two to one. Yeah, they were a, playing the Capitals and had to right, come they were, back. They, yeah, were, they were down, down in that series. They were down two to one. And in game four, Florida was down by one. They pulled their goalie and Washington missed the net on an empty netter. And then yep. Florida scored. So it was that close to being down three to one in the first round after yeah. all those additions. So, yeah, man, like I think it just goes back to the I'm, I think I'm not saying teams should not make these moves. The actual impact on a result that happens in a two week series is very little. Is very little. So yeah, that's the thing. You see more of the the impact over an 82 game season. Like if the Rangers are able to keep Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko, which is honestly pretty unlikely, you're gonna see you're gonna see a, a way bigger impact over the course of 82 games for that team. But when it comes down to a seven game series, and you look at the Metropolitan Division with 
the New Jersey Devils getting Timo Meyer, who I think is incredible. Like this yeah, guy he's a great can player. score. He generates chances. He's the physical. Yeah. He's a stud. All right. He's gonna he's gonna provide so much value to that New Jersey Devils team. But if you play the Devils in, in the playoffs, like sure, you have Patrick Kane and Tarasenko now, but I don't know how much that's gonna move the needle now yeah. against this Devils team. Yeah, hundred percent. I I think I think what people where people miss the mark. And again, like again, like not that anyone sh- you shouldn't get excited. Rangers fans, you should be very excited, and you should be happy to be a Rangers fan right now. I, I don't want to people to think I'm feeling that way. But back what I said about actual like wins above replacement, I think people kind of get the thing in their mind that okay, we make the trade for star player X, that makes us forty goals better, way better. No, it's he's replacing someone in the lineup, and there's only a certain amount of minutes to go around. If your first line winger, for example, is scores 25 goals, a 25 goal score, and then you insert, say, Patrick Kane, who's say on a good year is at whatever, over 82 games, you're adding, say, 10 goals. Or if he's got 40 goal score, you're adding 15 goals. So you're, I mean, that's significant, 10 to 15 goals over the course of a season. But in a seven game series, the guy goes cold, that's it. Yeah. Or it's like the, the difference is one goal. So, and it, well, you just hope you get that one goal at the right time. So, Tough, man. Tough. And then that's why it's tough for these GMs to actually weigh out what's worth it to give up for, for these players. Yeah, the margins are razor thin in the playoffs. I mean, look at the Leafs last year against Tampa. The Leafs were the only team besides Colorado in the cup final to outscore Tampa in a seven-game series. And this is not even, you know, last season. This is going back over Tampa's entire three-year run to the cup yeah, final. Yeah, I saw it. I saw They were that, only yeah. outscored in a series twice, I believe, by the Leafs and the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. The Leafs outscored them 24-23 and lost in seven games by one goal. If you want to get more depressed, <laughs> look up that series against... It always comes back to this, eh, guys? Guns for punishment. Uh, look up that series versus Tampa and look at Tampa's plus-minus. They're all mine, like minus four, minus five, minus three, minus four, because five on five, the Leafs were winning. And obviously the, the power play went cold, but like you see stats like that. And if someone had showed you that before the series started, you'd be like, oh my God, we're going to win. We swept them. And no, you, you, find a, you found a way to, to lose in five so, or seven, I should say. So sorry, guys. Yeah, I mean, we can all cry ourselves to sleep just looking at some of the numbers in that Tampa Leafs series, because really the Leafs should have won that series based on the numbers, based on all those things that happened. It's almost impossible that the Leafs ended up losing that series. But anyway, Lepore, I want to talk about Tampa for a second because you're pumped. (laughs) Immediately. When I saw this trade for Tanner, you I was like, what the hell are they doing? And listen, I know it's the Tampa Bay lightning. I know they're, Arguably the smartest team in the league. Yeah, it's hard to question. They always figure out a way to make it work. Last year, they traded two first-round picks and two players for Brandon Hagel, who is now actually having a a really good season. He's got 22 goals, 49 points in 59 games. I thought that was an overpay for Brandon Hagel, but he's been a good player for them. Right now, he is their fourth-leading scorer, and I'm sure they're really happy with what he's doing. But when I saw this Tanner Janot deal, and listen, I actually like Tanner Janot. Like, he's physical. He's relatively young. He's 25 years old. He's got some scoring touch. He's going to be a member of their bottom six unit. I don't know. Maybe they have plans to move him up the lineup, and they think he has a little bit more offensive flair than what we're seeing this season. Because this year, he's only got 14 points. But last year, he was a 40-point player. 
So he's got 14 points in 56 games this season. Last year for the Predators, had 24 goals and 41 points. But the thing that drives me nuts, everyone, you know, there's some people on Twitter. I shouldn't say everyone. People are like, oh, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, this was a great move. Instead of all of us chirping the Lightning, we should be like, what are they seeing that we're not? But no, like they traded five draft picks and Cal Foote, a former first round pick, for Tanner Janot, like this is kind of crazy, is it like, not? Like it's I always say, Bruno. Like I always say, imagine it was the Leafs. Imagine five picks for a third. Kyle line. Dubis is such an idiot. What yeah. an overpay this was by Dubis. But because it's the Lightning, we're like, hold on a second. This is something <laughs> that we don't see. It's yeah. like it's like Belichick and the Patriots. Wait, Belichick's cutting this guy. He must see something that we don't, right? But to that, I say, do people learn that the, you could say they, these guys are in the benefit of the doubt? Yeah, and the Leafs have her and the Leafs have her. That is totally fair. Like yeah. Tampa Bay, their whole front office, Julian Brisebois, and you know John Cooper, and everyone there, right? Like that entire organization has earned the benefit of the doubt. But I think both things can be true. Like, sure, maybe they see something in Tanner Janot that Nashville didn't see, that other teams around the league don't see. But they also traded a first, second, third, fourth round pick, fifth round pick, and Cal Foot for him. For a player who is a bottom six forward at this point. And again, maybe they think he's going to be a top six forward, but that's still a lot to give up. And in a few years from now, you think the Leafs don't have any draft picks. Have you seen Tampa Bay? I don't, I mean, do they, like, they have nothing, nothing in the cupboard in terms of draft picks. And maybe they don't give a shit because they've already won their cups and they're still competing for cups, but man, that is a big price for Tanner. I'd love to see, like be a fly on the wall for the talks of trading away picks for the, for these organizations, because we've gone over it on the show, like what these picks are actually worth and the odds, but I, I would like to know the real and true value that teams put on them and sort of their long-term outlook. Like, I'd like to know the plan in Tampa. If it's okay, we have this many guys locked in. So we we a, a guy who's picked in the first round let's say he'll be in the lineup hopefully in three years are we gonna have are we covered anyway so it's okay and if we're not covered we need to keep that pick and plan that way people forget to you can trade down like you can trade if, if you have two fifths or something or if you have i shouldn't say that no like if you have a, a a fourth you can trade it for two fifths do that and it's not really that that much of a deal so you can get picks there's other way to get players but I'm sure a lot of teams too, they just look at it and they look at their lineup and they say, we'll worry about that later. We'll 100% just worry about that later because we can't think about five years from now. Who knows what's going to happen in five years? And again, there's a cap. I think what this all comes down to, all these discussions that we have about these deals these teams make and how they how they approach different things, whether it's trading, whether it's drafting, it all comes back to me that we have a cap. I think sometimes people look at these deals in sort of the pre-cap way. Well, oh, they gave up a lot to get that. Well, if you're a team willing to spend to the cap, I mean, you can get, like, look at the Leafs in recent years, guys, signing guys like Bunting and Kasha and Kampf. They fill their lineup with capable players. Guys like Elian Mikheyev. You, you, gone from Russia, you put him in the lineup. So I'd love to hear these these talks on how these teams are approaching it and the true the true factual value they put on this pick on the picks in the way of we are willing to give up this pick if it makes us X level better and then different picks to different players and if they have exact finite models 
as to what what's worth it in terms of underlying numbers and if we can re-sign that guy. So interesting stuff, man. And that's why, like, again, how I don't like to criticize these teams because we only see it from the outside, right? We'll we'll look at a team and say, Well, how can how can they trade away their next two first round picks? Then you look at it and then they know okay, well, their last two second round picks, they project as bottom six forwards because they're doing very well and their scouting staff really believes in them. It's like, okay, now we can trade away that pick because we have guys like locked up and we're confident we have these guys coming in. So fun stuff, fun stuff. And I'm sure Tampa has done exactly that. We yeah, just outlined. Like they've gone over everything. They've gone over all the angles. This is a smart organization. I do think it was an overpay. And I do think they even overpaid to a certain extent for Brandon Hagel last year. But again, the Hagel thing is working out, and I'm sure they're going to probably find a way to make the Janot thing work out. But I do believe it was a little bit of an overpay. And when you look at their cap sheet, they have a lot of guys locked up long-term now. Exactly. Kucherov, Point, Sorelli, Nick Paul. Victor Hedman has only a couple more years after this, but Sergachev is under contract. Eric Chernak. Like, they have a lot of guys locked up for a long time. Vasilevsky. So mm. they, they have their core. And not even just like their core core of like elite players. They have like their secondary core locked <laughs> yeah. up for a long time too. Fuck. So I think this team is just comfortable with, you know, like those eight to 10 guys that they have locked up long term. And they're just going to go to battle year in and year out with those with that same group of players. Yeah. What you accomplish when you do that. And this is a bravo to the Tampa Bay Lightning. You guarantee competitiveness. They've guaranteed competitiveness with the guys they have locked up. So it'll, it gives them leeway to make other moves and not have to worry about trading away something that could work out to something that is strong, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting how these guys do business because not a lot of teams operate in the same way. And they've been to uh, three straight Stanley Cup yeah, finals exactly. and hopefully exactly. not a fourth. Hopefully they lose to the Leafs in the first round. Yeah. But uh, we'll uh, we'll deal with that, Lepore. We still have a little bit of time until uh, until that happens, and we're all shitting ourselves. Yeah, hopefully they show up lightning in the first round. Again. Hopefully they show up like they did last night against Pittsburgh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, hopefully, exactly. Not gonna happen. <laughs> no, it, it, we all know it's going seven games. Leaves Tampa. Mm-hmm. We all know it's happening. But we'll we'll talk about that on a future show, Lepore. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap up this podcast? Just ho- hoping uh, it keeps going, Bruno. Like I said, three straight wins since my wife went into labor. So feeling good, even though I'm on uh, I'm on no sleep. Buds are putting wins on the board. Hopefully they keep uh, going on this road trip. Hopefully Matthews can keep his scoring going and uh, more wins. And again, like as I just mentioned, Tampa lost last night. So the only thing this team really has to play for at this point is home ice advantage. So that's got to be the focus. And Let's get more wins, and I'm excited to find out what the Leafs are going to add. And I say that in a way that is expecting the Leafs to add. If you're listening, we're going to add, guys. So, Lapore, since your wife went into labor, the Leafs are three and zero and have outscored their opponents thirteen to five. Numbers don't lie, man. The sign. numbers don't lie. What a heater! And it's yeah. all because of your family, Lapore. Yeah, actually, <laughs> that's you know, last... the only explanation. We're going to get cheesy now. Last night was the first time. So on the couch, put my feet up on the table and I held her in my arms while I, while I watched the Leafs. It was her, it was her first Leafs game. I had, I don't know where I got it. I had like this Leafs toque, this like baby toque. I put it on her head, sent it to, sent it uh, to the people I love so they could get a cute photo of my daughter watching the Leafs. 
And uh, yeah, they won. So, and it was a great win. We, we didn't really talk about how good the Leafs looked last night. Yeah, I they were awesome last night. Friedman stole my line. I, I was watching them play. I'm like, I'm going to call them the Har- Harlem Globetrotters on tomorrow's podcast. Then Friedman said it. Their stars were just they were awesome. buzzing. They could have scored 10 goals night. last night. Well, yeah, what a game. What a performance, honestly. Yeah, like the Leafs went down one nothing early in that game, and we'll wrap up the podcast. But then they just dominated. After going down one nothing, it was complete domination. Samsonov was locked in, and if they can continue playing like that, because they got some tough games coming up here, and I don't know how really tough these are because the Pacific Division kind of sucks, in my <laughs> opinion. But they continue their Western road trip against Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and then they end the road trip back east against the Devils. Okay, that's interesting. So, Could go either way. Yeah, that's interesting. So some tough games in there. Edmonton, Calgary, New Jersey, and then they play Edmonton again on March 11th. So they yeah, play now that Edmonton you twice it, over their next five. Yeah, I feel like we haven't played Edmonton in forever now that you mention it. Have we played them? We played them this year, though. No, we haven't. We haven't, yeah. yeah we After haven't I said Edmonton that, I was yet. like, yeah, because I guess, yeah, the two times, the home and away in the West. Yeah, what am I talking about? But yeah. Remember how many times we got so sick of it during the bubble season when oh they played gosh. Edmonton, like, what was it, 10 times or whatever yeah. in the Canadian division? I heard Tyler Toffoli in an interview, and he was talking about, you know, playing for Montreal at the time and, like, how many times they played the Leafs and they played them in the playoffs. And he said it did. Was it him or Suzuki? I, forget, I, I think it was Toffoli. One of the two just straight out said it got fucking boring going to the same arena over, over and over. It, it was hard to get motivated. Yeah, those really teams was. played each other like 17 times that season. Yeah, yeah. brutal. It's just My insane. God. Regular season and playoffs combined. But mm. yep, we all know at this point it's going to be Leafs and Tampa in the first round. And we still have a few weeks to uh, mentally and physically prepare for that series and what's to come. But uh, that's going to do it for episode 94, the Sergey Bearson episode of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast. Once again, if you are a new listener or you're a longtime listener and you haven't done this yet, we would really appreciate it if you give us a five-star rating and review on either Apple or Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we would love you so much, honestly. If you just smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below, ring the notification bell, so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So that's going to do it. Go Leafs, go. Hopefully they finish this road trip strong after they started it with a win over the Kraken. And we'll be back next week to break it all down. So have a good one. Go Leafs, go. And we will see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone. That's on my mind, and I say, yo, show.